Welcome to The Ride Podcast by the Horse and Rider editorial team. The Ride takes you on a deep dive into stories of horse men and women who have inspired us for generations. I'm your host, Michaela Jaycox, and I will be taking you into the Horse and Rider vault to explore stories crafted by leading authors in horse and rider history to expand your understanding of the personalities that shape this Western horse life. This episode of The Ride is brought to you by Cosequin. Cosequin is the number one veterinarian recommended joint health supplement brand. With Cosequin Original, Cosequin Optimized with MSM, Cosequin ASU, and Cosequin ASU Plus, there's a formula suited for all horses at any stage of life. Our $10 rebate on ASU and ASU Plus large tubs gives you back an extra $10 on our most advanced formulas. Learn more at CosequinEquine.com. When performance matters, choose Cosequin. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ride. This is episode three. We will be reading a profile on Mark Milster this episode. Anybody have any exciting thoughts about this? I know Nicole, you wrote this profile, so that will be I'm so excited for awesome. Nicole to be here because I want to ask her all kinds of questions about about this gentleman and where she met him. And so t- How did the story come about? So Mark was actually an old neighbor of mine when I lived in Purcell, Oklahoma. I lived with Wes and Dana Weatherall, and next door was Mark. And he has been their farrier for, I don't even know how many years, but he is a Hall of Fame farrier. He is a world champion farrier. He gets flown all over the world to do clinics, to judge competitions, to shoe horses. And I believe he may have even been flown out to shoe some of the Budweiser horses for one of their commercials. So he's fascinatingly diverse as a shoer because he does draft horses, he does high-end, all-around horses. Yeah, huge in the reining, actually. He mm-hmm. shoes all of Extra, uh, which is owned by Silver Spurs now, all of their horses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he was part of Team Brazil. He was the official farrier for Team Brazil at the World Equestrian Games last year for their reining team. Um, but yeah, he, he does it all. He does reiners. He does all-around horses. He works with a lot of barrel racers, um, hunter jumpers. I mean, he's all over the place. And then, of course, his horses, he trail rides. So so he also does stuff for that too. Um, so I think I may have even made him trim a pony's feet before. Um, awesome. He does. He will do it all. <laughs> I always feel so bad for sure when they have to do little ponies. Like, yeah, yeah, it was the is, worst. Is Mark a big guy or a little guy? Or I mean, he's pretty average. Yeah, he's. A, he was a. I'm pretty sure he was a football player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's crazy uh, if you have seen the article when it ran in March of 2018. Um, the opening photo, which I actually won an AHP award for, the American mm-hmm. Horse Publications. Um, if you look at his hands, like he has a muscle in every like digit on his fingers. Like it's insane how, I mean, muscular you have to be to, to do all of that. I have to shoot. My husband and I made a deal a long time ago that I have to trim our ponies my daughter's oh. ponies Tonto. Tonto. So I have a newfound appreciation for horseshoers. You guys, you can see a lot of pictures of Tonto online. We've got yes. that. A new uh, blog called The Safe Start, and it's got all kinds of pictures of Tonto on it. It's about kids and horses. Um, but yes, with Tonto, I have gained a new appreciation for the fine art of blacksmithing. It is intense. <laughs> and, and not to mention, like, when he is not shoeing a horse, like I used to wake up at 6.30 on a Sunday morning and I would just hear clanking outside my window and he was already at work, like just practicing. So whenever he wasn't working on horses, like he was practicing in his shop and 
it's just he's insanely talented and he's had all these interns like all of these apprentices come from all over the world like he's had people from England Ireland I mean they come from all over the world to work with him and to train under him like he's he's very well respected in that industry so yeah when somebody's so talented and so passionate about their craft it obviously shows in um Hall of Fame inductions. Right. Like, that's obvious <laughs> exactly. that he cares. This is not just a side gig for him or no. like something that he's done to get by. Yeah, no, and um, I'm definitely going to say I got a little spoiled when I had him next door, and I literally did not ever have to worry about, like, if he was going to show up, if he was, you know, yeah. how they were going <laughs> to shoe their horses. And, um, yeah, he's. I've, I've seen him take horses that, you know, were completely unsound and, and, you know, in a year, of course, with help of the vets and turnout and him, you know, his corrective shoeing, I mean, those horses came back and that was pretty outstanding. So yeah, he is a, he is an outstanding individual and very talented and yeah, very interesting story too. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a really awesome story. I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Yeah, I think it'll be a good one, especially since it's not a trainer or, you know, somebody who rides horses. I mean, I'm sure he rides horses, but... Um, you know, it being a story on a farrier, mm -hmm. I think that that's a totally different take than some of the other profiles that we will yeah. be reading and that we have read. So, and that I'm was excited for it. That was kind of the the idea behind it. So, when we rebranded the magazine a couple of years ago, we wanted to introduce a little more Western lifestyle um, pro profile personality pieces, and you know, Mark, he's. A, a very important person in the horse world, but he's not a horse trainer or he's, he doesn't, you know, show yeah. and he's not the person that's winning, you know, the NFR or the mm -hmm. world show or whatever. Like he's the guy making sure those horses are sound enough to compete at those events. And I think it is really cool to be able to showcase the talent to keep the horses sound and, and able to perform at their best. Absolutely. I think that's one of my favorite things about the brand direction of horse and rider is how many different ways we can kind of come at horse you know it's like horses you could only write about how to um you can write about how to a million different ways but then there's so many other webs that you can go off on and I think that's something that's going to be really fun in the coming years to keep doing absolutely yeah. and equally as important mm -hmm. I mean if your horse doesn't have feet then you don't mm -hmm. really have a horse yeah. so <laughs> yeah I know we were just talking today in the office about my chiropractor my horse's chiropractor is clutch my horse is sure is clutch I'm sure everybody feels the same way I know I was bragging about my chiropractor and I was like oh my god like I know everybody thinks their chiropractor is the best chiropractor but <laughs> I have the best one and I know like people feel that way about their shoer or else you don't feel that way about your shoer and you're looking desperately for one that you can feel that way about so I love that's one of the fun things about the horse industry is that we get to be cheerleaders for yeah, I mean, our tagline is your Western horse life. And, mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have a horse life if you don't have that team backing you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so I think that will take us into reading the profile. I hope you guys are ready to enjoy the story on Mark. When the shoe fits, Mark Milster's passion for blacksmith and barrier work has taken him all over the world. It even landed him an induction into the International Horseshoeing Hall of Fame. On an early morning, before the heat has settled in for the day, a gust of Oklahoma wind carries the familiar sound of hammer-hitting steel out of a blacksmith's workshop and across the pasture of grazing horses. He's always practicing, Dana Weatherall says when the noise starts back up. She's talking about her longtime friend, neighbor, and farrier, Mark Milster. 
In his professional career, Milster has managed to take a traditional approach to blacksmith and farrier work and use it to help modern Western performance horses compete at the highest level of competition. His talents have taken him across the world to participate in and judge international farrier competitions and present shoeing clinics. In 2014, this lifelong dedication to furthering his craft led Milster to an induction into the International Horseshoeing Hall of Fame, located in the Kentucky Derby Museum in Louisville, Kentucky. As Weatherall fetches her 18-hand retired Clydesdale gilding, Drew, from the pasture to take over to the workshop, she shares a story about her farrier that will always stick with her. I remember him telling me how he came close to winning the World Championship Blacksmith Competition, but he could hear the clock ticking away while he was working, Weatherall says. The year he won his World Championship, he couldn't hear anything going on around him. He was that focused. As we walk 50 yards down the road to Weatherall's neighbor's house, I ask why that story sticks with her so well, and she tells me that she likes to use Milster's laser focus as inspiration when she's showing her quarter horses at national level competitions. Getting his start. When I first walk in to Mark Milster's shop, I am greeted by his trusty four-legged sidekick, Crash. The newness of seeing me wears off and Crash returns to his dog bed, which sits beneath a collection of dusty photos featuring an assortment of Western horses. When asked about the old pictures hanging on the wall in his workshop, Milster explains that they're all customers of his from throughout the years. I notice that there are a few photos of himself from various blacksmith competitions, but he'd rather talk about the success of the different horses he's worked on. After all, they're the reason he does what he does. The brick forge that sits in the middle of the shop begins to heat up, and Milster goes to work prepping Drew for his new set of front shoes. As he trims the large gilding's left front foot, I picked Milster's brain on how he got his start in horseshoeing. He grew up in Missouri around horses and helped his father shoe horses as a kid. Milster never had the chance to meet his grandfather, but he's heard from family that he was a farrier as well. I never planned on becoming a farrier, the third generation horseshoer explains. My dad pushed me to study shoeing, but I decided to go to East Central University in Ada, Oklahoma to play football and get a degree in criminal justice instead. What changed his mind? I remember watching this guy shoeing my brother Marty's horses and asking myself, why am I not the one shoeing those horses? It was like a light bulb turned on and I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. There was no backup plan after that. Milster sold a pistol given to him as a graduation present and used that money to buy his first forge. You're never good unless you're ready. Milster briefly stops talking, puts down his hoof rasp, and walks over to give Drew a handful of grain. Drew is one of my favorites, he says. He wipes his hands of excess feeds and tells me that he originally regretted attending college and not going into shoeing right away. It wasn't until he ran into his former professor, Norman Hess, at a local fairgrounds in Ada, Oklahoma, that he realized he made the right decision. I started to tell Norman about regretting college, and before I could finish, he said, You wouldn't have been any good at shoeing horses, Milster shares with a laugh. I turned to him and asked him what he meant by that, and he said, You're never good at something unless you're ready. Milster realized his former professor had a point. I wasn't ready to be a farrier at the time I started college. I think I would have a chip on my shoulder had I gone straight into it, and I would probably lack the passion I have for it today. Milster studied at Oklahoma Farriers College, but only for two weeks. My instructor said I was past what they could teach me and that I'd be better off going out on my own and making a living. The world of competition. I'm distracted by the number of tools I see around Milster's shop, and I ask how many he thinks he has. Rather than answering my question, Milster walks over to one of several toolboxes to pull open each drawer. Every shelf is stacked to the rim with different tools, 
He picks up each piece and notes the person who crafted it quicker than I can write. He explains that they've all been created by good friends or mentors throughout the years, but a large part of his collection comes from pieces he's handcrafted himself. By now, the brick forge is at the right temperature for Mr. to begin custom making Drew's two front shoes. He grabs a pair of tongs and places the slab of seal into the forge. There are no shortcuts in Milster's work. Each shoe is meticulously handcrafted to fit the needs of the particular horse he's working with. My only goal when I'm shoeing is to make the horse happy, he says. When the horse is happy, the owner is happy, the trainer is happy, and the veterinarian is happy. He's often asked if there's a difference in shoeing for customers versus shoeing for competition. To him, it's all the same. Anytime you shoe a horse, you're trying to please someone, he explains. In competition, you're trying to please the judge. In a certification, you're trying to please the examiner. And in everyday shoeing, you need to please the horse and owner. That brings me to my next question. How did he get his start in blacksmith competition? He's quick to credit friend and fellow farrier Cheryl Spears for introducing him to that world. Milster attended his first clinic with Spears at the American Farriers Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1991. That's where he first witnessed the tryout for the American Farriers team. I was floored that something like this actually existed, Milster says. I couldn't believe how talented these guys were, and I realized I had a lot left to learn. When I returned home, I grabbed every horseshoeing book or magazine I could get my hands on. Milster once again picks up his tongs and pulls the steel from the forge, placing it on the anvil. His hammer hits the steel to shape the shoe, and the sound echoes through the workshop. Between clinks, I ask him about his first shoeing competition. Feeling inspired after watching the American Farriers team, Milster hit the road again with Spears, traveling to Branson, Missouri. He grins when I asked him how he fared at this competition. The contest required him to put keg shoes on a horse with a toe clip, something he hadn't done before. I walked away winning it, he laughs. The guys I was with were so mad. Learning to practice. Milster has since worked with a handful of farriers who've helped him master his craft, but one person in particular stands out. A legendary blacksmith and farrier from New Mexico named Jim Key. Key's name comes up often in our visit. Milster first read about him in a magazine. I decided to drive to New Mexico to attend a five-day class he was teaching and paid $500 for that class, Milster recalls. I now go to his place as often as I can, but he hasn't charged me since that first trip. A small smile comes across his face when he mentions that last part. When I tell Keith about Milster's recollection, he laughs. He's an interesting guy to be around, and I enjoyed working with him, so I probably cut him a little slack with not charging him, Keith jokes. The first thing I remember about him was his attitude. He took instruction very well and accepted advice from anybody who'd give it to him. So what's the most important thing Milster has learned from Keith? How to practice, Milster says without hesitation. I saw what it took to be the best there is and how much practice was involved to get to that level. There are people out there who will have the will to win, but don't have the will to practice. Jim Keith is one of the few who has the will to win and the will to practice. During his studies with Keith, Milster's weeks consisted of shoeing horses in Oklahoma and then driving to and from New Mexico on the weekends to study under Keith. Milster had set his sights on being part of the American Farriers team, a team consisting of six American farriers chosen to represent the United States in international forging competitions. I was a former manager for the American Farriers team and had some of the pins the teams wear, so I sent Mark one, Keith shares. I told him that in five years he'd get to wear it. He was afraid I'd jinxed him, but sure enough, five years later he made the team. 
Milster has now been a part of the American Barriers team five separate times. Keith shares that some barriers work their whole lives to be a part of the American Barriers team. Making selection for it is an honor. Accomplishing that kind of goal in such a short time frame showcased Milster's dedication to his craft. Teaming up. Back in his shop, Milster continues working on Drew. Because he's such a large horse, Milster has brought in friend Kyle Noyce to be his striker, the person who welds the sledgehammer, a common practice farriers use when working with larger, heavier shoes. Milster and Noyce work as a team to create what I think is a perfectly constructed horseshoe. Although, if you ask Milster, he'll tell you the perfect shoe has yet to exist. As I watch them work, I realize there's an art to making a shoe that many don't realize. Every move Milster and Noyce make together has a unique purpose that's designed to help the horse they're working with, and they make the whole process look almost effortless. Milster is no stranger to working as a team. He's won countless competitions where he's been a part of a two-man and four-man cruise. His most memorable win in a four-man team comes from the World Horseshoeing Classic, held in Richmond, Kentucky, an international competition that takes place over the span of three days. On the first day, the team makes draft shoes, the second day is fox hunter shoes, and the final day is roadster shoes. Every shoe in that competition is handmade. It's probably the highest standard of shoeing in any competition I've ever seen, Milster says. We won that competition in 2014 and 2015. Back-to-back championships, an even more impressive feat. However, when Milster pairs up with close friend Austin Edens, also a world champion barrier, they're a force to be reckoned with. Together, they've won the two-man division at the annual Calgary Stampede five times. Milster doesn't tell me much more than that, but Mackenzie Lawson, Milster's apprentice, shares with me that when it comes to competition, the two of them has set the standard. I think everyone secretly dreads when those two walk into a competition together, she jokes. Edens thinks that one of the reasons he and Milster click so well is that they share the same passion for horseshoeing. We're both super competitive, and I think our competitiveness with each other helps us both succeed, Eden tells me. The thing about Mark that makes him so different from other farriers is that he doesn't get burned out. He's always looking for the next big thing that's going to help a horse. Winning the world. Milster finds a stopping point with the horseshoe he's working on for Drew and walks into the small apartment that's attached to his shop. He returns holding an old hammer. This is the hammer I won my world championship with, he explains. The last nail is actually still in it. I look closely and sure enough I see a little nail wedged in there. He's kind enough to bring it outside so I can photograph it, but I let him arrange it for fear of knocking that nail loose. One of the highest honors a blacksmith can take home is winning the Blacksmiths World Championship at the annual Calgary Stampede. While Milster had come close to winning this individual world title two other times, by half a point to be exact, It was in 2001 that he finally secured the title and brought the world championship buckle home to Oklahoma. Edens tells me that the year Milster won his world championship, everything fell into place perfectly. He finished with plenty of time left on the clock and walked to the front of his horse and kissed the horse on the face, he recalls. Mark will never say this out loud, but you could tell by his body language that he knew he'd won. Striving for perfection. By now, Milster and Noyce are back to work. I take a minute to photograph the sparks flying off the shoe as the sledgehammer hits the steel. The clink stops, and Milster closely examines the shoe, deciding that it is ready for Drew. They're going to hot shoe him, so back to the forge the shoe goes to heat up again. It's a technique that's been around for years, 
but it's the first time I've seen it done in person. Once the shoe is at the correct temperature, Milster and Noyce make their way over to Drew. As they press the shoe onto the Clydesdale's gigantic hoof, smoke rises to the ceiling, and a distinct smell fills the air. I look over at Drew, who doesn't even notice that two men are working on his foot. In fact, the only thing he's worried about is the treat his owner and Milster's neighbor, Dana Weatherall, has in her hand. It's another 15 minutes or so before the left shoe is finally finished, and the process starts from square one again as Milster and Noyce begin to shoe the other front foot. Some more time passes and the two farriers have successfully finished both front shoes. This time, instead of a handful of grain, Milster finds a bucket and pours some more of the feed into it. He holds the bucket up to Drew, who willingly accepts his offer. I pull out my camera to take a couple more photos of the end result, and out of the corner of my eye, I see Milster studying each of Drew's handcrafted shoes. Here, take a picture of this shoe. He gestures at Drew's left foot. It's the better one. This is the essence of what makes Mark Milster the blacksmith and barrier he is. He's always finding ways to improve his own work. The constant challenge of creating the perfect shoe for a particular horse will keep him going for years. We would like to once again thank Nutramax and Cosequin for bringing you this episode of The Ride. For more information on Cosequin products, go to CosequinEquine.com. When performance matters, choose Cosequin. And like in every episode, we would like to introduce you to a horse from a home for every horse. A home for every horse was created in 2011 and result to a partnership between the Equine Network, the nation's leading publisher of equine-related content, and the American Horse Council's United Horse Coalition. The program provides resources for 501c3 horse organizations. Visit ahomeforeveryhorse.com for more information. This week's horse is Harley, a flashy little filly. Um, what yeah. do you have to say about her, girls? She's Har awesome. Harley's in Erie, Colorado, which is just down the road. Maybe Nicole should stop and look at her. Nicole's horseless right now. so I am horseless. <laughs> She's um, a, yeah, this horse is a two-year-old. And, Michaela, I said that you weren't going to be able to say this, so I'll try it. I'll thank you. It. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting color. Yes. She's a two-year-old Sabino Overo Donnellino. Um, almost like a gorilla, but not really a gorilla. Big blaze face. Um, they got her out of the slaughter pipeline. She's really cute, though, and from the sounds of it, she has kind of a lot of things going for her. She's able to pick up all four feet. She's used to sacks and ropes, blankets, tarps, you know, you name it. She's probably been able to withstand it. She's good in the round pen. And yeah, they're riding her. They have a video on equine.com of them actually riding her in the round pen, oh. walking and trotting at least. Um, and it looks like she's doing really well. They said she's the first to meet you at the gate, and she's super friendly. So Sounds like she'll make a really good ranch horse or a trail riding horse for somebody. She's only $1,000 for her adoption fee. So that's a spoken deal for a two-year-old that's already riding around. So she she does go as great, uh, but she's got Coggins. Uh, she's been dewormed. She's been trimmed. Um, so looks like she's a pretty good deal. Be sure to go to equine.com and press contact rescue to find out some more information and to talk to somebody about Harley Ray, which is her full name that they use for her. And if somebody does end up adopting a horse after listening to this podcast, email us at horseandrider at aimmedia.com because we want to hear all about it and we want to see photos and we'd love to learn more about your journey and hopefully you have a great new partner. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this profile. 
As always, remember to go subscribe so you get a notification every time we release a new episode. While you're there, why don't you give us a rating? We want to know how we're doing, and this also helps other listeners find us. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. See you next time.